welcome to the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. I'm David Lorimer, co-editor of a new book, Spiritual Awakenings, Scientists and Academics Describe Their Experiences. It's published by the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences and is available in paperback and Kindle editions. In this series of weekly podcasts, we'll be sharing the 57 original essays together with introductions and epilogue from my co-editor, Professor Marjorie Willicott. We hope you enjoy them. Chapter 18, Awakening by Federico Fagin Read by Martin Redfern My interest in consciousness was sparked in 1987 when I was studying neuroscience as background material for the R&D work on artificial neural networks that I was conducting at Synaptics Inc. As co-founder and CEO of that Silicon Valley company, I wanted to develop silicon chips that could emulate neural networks, thus creating the basic building blocks for cognitive computers. All the neuroscience books I was reading were describing brain operation in terms of electrochemical activity, as if that movement of molecules and signalling were identical to sentient perception. Surprisingly, the word consciousness was never mentioned, and I was asking myself, how can electrical and biochemical signals become sensations and feelings? Clearly, the two cannot possibly be the same thing. The computer can neither be aware nor consciously know anything. It can only translate the complex pattern of electrical signals generated by the sensors of the odour molecules into another electrical signal, the name rose. The comprehension brought by consciousness is not accessible to a computer. And herein lie the crucial limitations of artificial intelligence. Science cannot explain why we have feelings. Based on science, consciousness should not exist, either in computers or humans. During the time I was struggling to understand how to make a conscious computer, I also found myself in a deep existential crisis. I had achieved everything that common wisdom says should make me happy, and I was beset with a deep dissatisfaction. I had reached a stage of quiet desperation. I was wondering... What do I live for? And at the same time I felt compelled to maintain a façade, given my responsibilities as husband, father and head of a promising company. But I almost felt dead inside. I realised that I was preventing myself from experiencing my despair. I lived hiding in an artificial cocoon that I had constructed to protect myself from feeling my deepest and most genuine feelings. I only imitated being happy. I asked for help. I prayed, not verbally, not even consciously, searching for an answer to my fundamental questions. What is the meaning of my life? Is death really the end of everything? In December 1990, while I was with my family at Lake Tahoe during the Christmas holidays, I woke up around midnight to drink a glass of water. When I went back to bed, while waiting in silence to fall asleep again, I felt a powerful rush of energy love emerge from my chest, the like of which I had never felt before and couldn't even imagine was possible. This feeling was clearly love, 
but a love so intense and so incredibly fulfilling that it surpassed any possible idea I had about what love is. Even more unbelievable was the fact that I was the source of this love. I perceived it as a broad beam of shimmering white light, alive and beatific, gushing from my heart with incredible strength. Then suddenly that light exploded and filled the room and then expanded to embrace the entire universe with the same white brilliance. I knew then, without a shadow of a doubt, that this was the substance of which all that exists is made. This was what created the universe out of itself. Then, with immense surprise, I knew that I was that light. The entire experience lasted perhaps less than one minute, and it changed me forever. My relationship with the world had always been as a separate observer, perceiving the world as outside of me and separate from me. What made this experience astonishing was its impossible perspective, because I was both the experiencer and the experience. For the first time in my life, I was simultaneously the world and the observer of the world. I was the world observing itself, and I was concurrently knowing that the world is made of a substance that feels like love, and that I am that substance. In other words, the essence of reality is a substance that knows itself by self-reflection, and its self-knowing feels like an irrepressible and dynamic love. This experience contained an unprecedented force of truth because it felt true at all the levels of my being. At the physical level, my body was alive and vibrant, like I never felt it before. At the emotional level, I experienced myself as an impossibly powerful source of love. And at the mental level, I knew with certainty, and for the first time, that all is made of love. That experience also revealed the existence of another level of reality never before experienced, the spiritual level, in which I felt one with the world. This was direct knowing, stronger than the certainty of human logic provides, a knowing from the inside, gnosis, rather than from the outside a knowing that involved for the first time the concurrent resonance of all my conscious aspects, the physical, emotional, mental and spiritual. I like to think that I have experienced my own nature, both as a particle and as a wave, to use an analogy with quantum physics impossible to comprehend with our ordinary logical mind. The particle aspect was the ability to maintain my unique identity, despite being also the world, which was the wave aspect. Thus, my identity is that unique point of view with which one, all that is, the totality of what exists, observes and knows itself. I am a point of view of one. This experience maintained its original intensity and clarity over time, and it changed my life from the inside out, continuing to have a powerful impact to this day. After the awakening experience, I started reading books like the Tao Te Ching and the Bhagavad Gita. These ancient texts were reflecting and enriching the understanding of my own awakening, 
revealing that since time immemorial, humans' personal journeys had been illuminated by experiences like mine. Prior to my awakening, those books would have only fed a superficial literary interest, since soul had little real meaning to me. Afterward, soul meant that alive, scintillating, loving and self-knowing substance of which everything is made. It became a lived experience rather than an intellectual idea. That awakening also opened the door to a stream of other spontaneous and extraordinary experiences of consciousness that have continued to this day. They included vivid dreams, deep intuitions, expansions of consciousness, out-of-body experiences, and other states of consciousness that greatly expanded my previously limited concepts about reality, constrained by preconceived ideas. A little at a time, I began to realise that the truly important journey is the inner one, and with the same dedication I had showered upon my technological and scientific research, I committed to discovering the truth about myself, beyond the perceptual distortions fostered by prejudices. I had the opportunity to see how deep my rabbit hole was, and how much my life had been conditioned by false beliefs and ideas. These experiences also made me relive many emotions and events I had repressed and forgotten. After twenty years, during which I spent thirty to forty percent of my time doing personal work, I began to take seriously the idea that consciousness could be a fundamental aspect of nature already present in some fashion in the atoms and molecules of which everything is made. This idea emerged gradually due to the impossibility of explaining how consciousness could arise from the material complexity of our brain. I kept thinking, how can a physically inert structure that possesses only outer aspects give rise to inner experiences. The concept of complexity has nothing to do with the sensations and feelings that populate our inner world. In fact, today's computers, which are very complex, do not have a shred of consciousness. There was no logical alternative. The inner world of meaning must also be an irreducible property of all that exists from the very beginning. Meaning and matter must be like two facets of the same coin. This topic fascinated me because it had the potential to explain and unify the existence of our outer and inner realities that I had been experientially exploring for twenty years. Science and spirituality, until now irreconcilable, could find a deep union rather than a simple juxtaposition for convenience so I decided to withdraw completely from all my other activities and for the next few years focused on developing a model of reality based on the assumption that consciousness is fundamental rather than deriving from matter. The model I developed, the CIP framework, is based on quantum field theory, the most accurate model of reality we currently have adding to the idea that consciousness existed before the Big Bang, which is considered the beginning of our universe. Thanks so much for downloading the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. Do join us for the next episode.